first Tuesday of the month is our standing appointment to check in with State Senator Andy Menard. But we're lucky this month uh, the senator is actually in studio with us. And he's uh, he's brought an assistant with him, too. <laughs> Senator, who, who'd you bring with you today? Oh, I brought my uh, our youngest son, Ben, my 10-year-old. My so he, he decided before school starts next week in Bunker Hill, he's going to accompany me today. So after after our stop here with you, Jim, we're headed over to Decatur uh, to some of the National Night Out um, events. And then on the way home to Bunker Hill, a few of the events here in Springfield. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, and Ben, welcome. Great to have you here in the studio. And you, what grade are you starting uh, this fall? Fifth. Fifth? Fifth grade. That's exciting. Uh, you're going to learn all kinds of really important stuff there. So, good. Well, thank you for being here this afternoon. And, Senator, yeah. thank you for the time, too, because I know it's a very busy uh, busy day today, and you're right, sure. a lot of those great National Night Out events. Uh, and that's obviously a lot to do with uh, being watchful, um, paying attention in your neighborhoods. Uh, if you see something, say something, everybody banding together. Uh, that's been a theme that we're hearing a lot in these last several days yeah. after what's uh, been happening around the country. And I know we're ahead of the curve on some of this here in Illinois with our own red flag laws, for example, but are, are there areas, gaps that you see in what we can or should be doing to to try to make these sorts of tragedies even less likely to happen here? Yeah, I, you know, what I've focused on um, since recent events um, is the fact that we have, and this seems to be prevalent, Jim, um, and if we focus on um, the 100 um, the, the drum that was used, you know, the 100 uh, magazine uh, that was used in Dayton, um, to think that that's legal in the United States of America today is just mind-boggling to me. Um, so I think that we should focus on that. I think we should obviously focus on uh, making sure that uh, when someone um, has some type of a uh, condition that would prevent them, uh, either some mental health condition or some predisposition um, that, that we can attach information to that individual to make sure that they're not able to purchase a firearm. I think we do a pretty good job of that in Illinois, but obviously we've had some mistakes with that in the past. Um, I think we should address that. Um, but I don't think this is a, a fix that's going to come by just changing one law. I think we have to look at any number of things, but I'd like to focus on high-capacity magazines. Um, I think that's something that is prevalent among all of these mass shootings. The fact that uh, police responded within a minute or less in in Ohio, and there were already so many lives taken within that minute, it it, it leads me to ask the obvious question, um, should these things be legal in the United States of America today? Have you thought about where you'd put the limit? 10-round ten, ten magazine or? No, I, what I'm doing right now is engaging um, constituents that I represent, you know, just as I did on the gun dealer licensing law, which I opposed at the end of the day. Uh, because of some of the ambiguities contained in it um, that are now playing themselves out today. But um, I'll do what I always do, which is, you know, listen and talk and try to educate myself on uh, the issue. But, you know, I go back to um, in Dayton, um, nine people died within 60 minutes or 60 seconds. Nine people died in 60 seconds. And more than two dozen wounded yes. in that same time span. In 60 seconds. Yeah. And um, you, you look at the weapon that was used, and um, that only leads me to ask the question, why is that legal today in the United States of America? Do we need to regulate social media? That's been talked about a lot in the last 24 hours or so. Um, I think it's difficult. Um, I, my, my first question uh, I guess in response to the question is how would we do that? Uh, but at the same time, um, uh, I don't think we should regulate it more than than free speech is regulated. And you know, there's limitations 
to that as well. Um, but I, I've been through my own, you know, my own experience with with problems with Facebook and things that that uh, are purported and said. And you know, Facebook as a corporation has uh, they take no responsibility whatsoever. You know, they they say in a very um, uh, you know, very open-ended fashion that they just provide a platform and then it's up to people to police themselves. You know, I personally think that's complete nonsense. Um, that's a very sterile way of uh, washing um, washing away uh, all of the things that are happening as a result of social media, which clearly has um, some role to play here. Um, but I would be cautious about, about taking steps to, um, you know, to... Uh, to, to police social media because I think that begins to infringe upon free speech. All right, let's move on to some happier things. Uh, and one of the uh, most promising developments locally recently has been all the talk about a possible campus presence in downtown Springfield, UIS, or maybe SIU, or maybe some combination of both, maybe on the North Mansion Y block, maybe someplace else. And you've been trying to spearhead this, but there seems like a lot of moving parts to this. Uh, are you really the person who is, is you know, spinning all of those plates and trying to make sure none of them drop? And how how do we take it from where it is, which everybody's like, this sounds like kind of a good idea, but we don't really know what it is yet to something that's that's concrete and definable. Well, first, I don't want to get ahead of the city council, which obviously has uh, the what, what appears to be the final ordinance before it uh, tomorrow evening. Correct. Um, but no, th- it is not me. This has been a team effort, I would tell you, Jim. And I think that's gone largely untalked about or unreported because um, I, I would say neither the mayor myself or the county board chairman or uh, UIS, SIU, um, individual members of the city council, um, it's, it's a group effort. Clearly, at this point, I think ultimately, though, what has to happen is um, two things, and and they could be together or they could be separate, um, uh, co-equal paths forward for downtown. Um, clearly, the city has been after some um, landing place for the mansion block, uh, the Y block, just north of the governor's mansion. And clearly, my goal has been to uh, help facilitate bringing both SIU and UIS together, uh, kind of in a in a unique um, partnership. Uh, to downtown Springfield. Those two things could be the same thing or they could be different. I'm for both of them, by the way. Um, and I think now's the time to do it. We have a governor and his administration who seem keenly interested in helping this along. Um, and I think we have a mayor and a city council that are ready to start to take steps forward. I think we have universities that are ready to begin to put real things on the table to make this happen. So when you put all those pieces together, we have a pretty good recipe. My job is to advocate for the funding in the Capitol bill that we just passed, and I'm prepared to do it. First things first, though, city council has that ordinance before uh, before the body tomorrow evening. But can this happen without somebody kind of stepping up and and putting the pieces in place? Because you've got you know one school that says let's link it to the North Mansion Y block, yeah. one school that says let's put it someplace else, uh, one group that might be saying we're going to make this part of the uh, the Illinois Innovation Network, or maybe we're going to focus more on the med school or a law school. And it just seems like with all those different options there, if somebody isn't you know grabbing the tiller on this and, and steering it, this thing could just drift all over the place. Well, and it could go on forever, too. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to let that happen uh, because we have a moment here. And I think that moment is before us. The first step in and I would commend the mayor. I would commend um, 
Alderwoman Turner, Alderman Donilon, um, Alderwoman Desenzo, and others for starting to put a frame around this in that ordinance tomorrow, which I think leads us down an obvious path to bring all these pieces together. Ultimately, what's going to have to happen is uh, we're going to have to go before the governor and his administration and advocate for why we think downtown Springfield is deserving of what undoubtedly is going to be a a significant amount of state resources in the bipartisan capital bill. I think the unique partnership between UIS and SIU um, stands above uh, many other uh, similar projects around the state. I think the Illinois Innovation Network having the hub here in Springfield is another plus. Um, I think the aggressive nature of UIS wanting to wanting to get this thing moving also is a plus. We're ahead of others when you put all those things together. So I don't think this is going to be a situation to where we're you know three or four months from now kind of sitting around thinking about you know what are we doing here. I think this is going to come together quickly after the city council acts tomorrow evening. Could the armory be a part of this? I know there's money set aside for a huge renovation of the armory without a lot of detail as to what it yeah. could be. Could could this be that? It could. It could. Um, but at the same time, um, I want to make sure that we keep our eye focused on uh, the two things that I mentioned earlier, uh, making sure that there's a, a landing place for the mansion block, whatever that is, and making sure that we establish uh, both SIU and UIS as as a as a campus in downtown Springfield. Again, those two things could be the same. I, I venture to say they're probably going to be different at the end of the day, just because we've had so much come together um, on the higher ed front and the entrepreneurship front in Springfield. I want to make sure that whatever we do plans for the future as well. But those two things are are first and foremost the appropriate goals uh, that the city has set out, and and I support them wholeheartedly. State Senator Andy Menard is in studio with us. Uh, you pushed for and one passage of a property tax task force uh, that will be convening here shortly to come up with ideas to try to provide some relief for what is one of the most uh, onerous and frustrating yep. taxes that any of us pay here in Illinois. But that seems like a big undertaking uh, to try to figure out somewhere to give tax relief without crippling school districts and other units of local government that really depend upon this. How how do you envision this coming together on a tight time frame to find something meaningful that, that can be done on the issue? Yeah, let's let's back up the bus real quick, Jim. So um, the Senate passed a bill that I sponsored and helped author that that I think would be a significant starting place for now this task force. And it's it's pretty simple. It says if the state fully funds the new equity-based, evidence-based funding formula and reimburses school districts for all the mandated programs um, that we require, uh, special education, transportation, those types of things, then if those things happen, then I think it's reasonable to – Uh, require school districts to not raise their tax rates. So we are in this position. We're very close to to being able to do this in Illinois because of the success of the evidence-based formula. Now we're in year uh, year three of that, fiscal year three of that, and it's paying dividends. It's stabilizing budgets on the local level. It's allowing school districts to be innovative. Um, You know, we've seen the good that it's done here in District 186, for example. Um, So I think that's a good starting point for this task force. Unfortunately, the House didn't take the bill up. Um, the Senate did. We passed it uh, with pretty big numbers. Um, but that's what I'm going to present to the task force. And um, I'm hopeful that um, this task force is going to produce something that actually has some meat on the bone. Um, the turnaround time frame is very quick. It's by the end of the year, uh, presumably for the governor's budget address early in 2020. Um, I think it's you know mid-February.
But but you get the the trepidation that sure. people feel when when you say okay we're going to freeze these tax rates here and and, and ease that burden as long as the, the state keeps up its end of the funding bargain because the state's really bad at keeping up its yeah. end of bargains. Well, you know I can't I can't uh, you know build the time machine and go back in time and undo all those things. But what I can do is point to recent history with school funding and it is as best here in Illinois as it is anywhere in the country in terms of stability and certainty. And that has allowed school districts already to dial down the pressure on property taxes. That's a real thing in Illinois. Uh, so I think it's reasonable. And, you know, I'm, I'm as pro-public education as any member of the General Assembly. And I think it's reasonable to say if we fully fund the formula and we reimburse mandated programs, then we can reasonably ask school districts to not raise their tax rates from year to year. What that would do, what that would would do is it would put the property tax debate first and foremost in front of the legislature when budget making happens. So the choice would be in future years, do we as a House and the Senate fully fund these programs or do we lift their prohibition on the property tax freeze. That would be one heck of a debate. I think I know where we'll end up mm-hmm. in that debate. So that, that's only one piece of the tax bill. I think the other piece would be some type of relief on municipal police and fire pensions. That's a really tough thing to take up. But I'm hopeful that the task force is going to focus on those two areas. And I think if we do that, we should be able to produce something. But then we have to act. You know, We just can't produce a, a report and let it sit and collect dust. Right. Um, we have to take action on it. One of your Democratic Senate colleagues is now under indictment, Senator Tom Cullerton, uh, accused of taking money from a Teamsters local in exchange for no work whatsoever. Uh, we also have reports of several investigations or at least uh, search warrants and documents gathered from allies of House Speaker Mike Madigan. Is there a crisis brewing in the legislature when some of these uh, key players are really coming into the, the watchful eye and the scrutiny of the feds? Well, I'm always for more... Um transparency. Uh, I'm always going to support more openness and uh, more robust ethics laws. Um, That's something that I think is never going to be exactly uh, where it should be. We should always uh, search for better ways to make government more ethical. It produces a better product for taxpayers at the end of the day. So both of those things you mentioned are open and ongoing. Um, and uh, they're happening at the federal level. Um, there's things we could do for our own Legislative Ethics Commission, for example, um, here in Illinois that, that have been blocked, frankly, over time. So uh, this is always going to be a struggle, uh, but I've always, I've always supported measures that would tighten and toughen ethics laws in Illinois. Finally, uh, we we talked about this. I think some of us had some high hopes for it. It didn't materialize in the spring session. But are you going to try to bring back your daylight saving time, Bill? <laughs> I am, actually. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be a um, – I haven't talked about this one in a while. Um, you know, th- those students from Carlinville, which were the, you know, the, the uh, uh, genesis of this – um, they're all now off to college, but they're still following this. But, you know, this is one of those things that, that it's a member-to-member conversation in the Senate, and I think we have the votes in the Senate uh, now. So I, I look for a vote in the Senate in veto session. And just to remind the listeners, it, it doesn't um, do anything other than move the clocks forward one more time, and then we stop. Uh, but it's, of course, predicated on the federal government acting. So we modeled this off of, I think now— what a dozen other states have done. Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty simple. You move the clock forward one more time in the spring of presumably 2020, and then we 
then we stop. But ultimately, this is up to Congress. But but it, so it does require federal action as well. If, if yeah. the feds don't do anything, then we still have to roll them back again in the fall of yeah, 2020. So, so one of two things could happen. The federal government could say this is the way it is for the entire country, or the federal government could say each state can make its own decision. Um, and even though only 12 states, which actually is a few more than when we started, mm-hmm. this have acted, I think there's there's many more with pending measures. So this is going to keep going. And um, I just, you know, I go back to the students from Carlinville High School that just were so impressive with this. And, you know, they convinced me that this was worth the time and effort in front of the legislature. We'll be watching very carefully yep. come the fall for that. State Senator Andy Menar and special guest Ben, thank you both for being here. And we'll look forward to talking to you soon. You bet. Thanks for having me.